wouldn't experience just by ourselves as everybody comes together and celebrates what God has been doing in their life, but also with one voice uh, pro- proclaiming God. It also gives us an opportunity to be equipped, and, and this, this setting allows for the equipping of the body through teaching and through encouraging one another. And then lastly, it allows us to engage those who don't know the lost, to be a place where people can come. And again, this could happen in our small group and one-on-one, but to another place for us to engage those who have never heard about Christ or who are on a journey of putting their faith in God. I remember when I was a teenager, actually in middle school, I was invited to a concert. By the way, there's going to be some worship going on today. We've already had some worship here in the room, but right around 1 o'clock this afternoon, there's going to be some incredible worship in Foxborough. People are going to gather in one place, one accord, and at the altar, they're going to come and they're going to pay their homage and their money and their, their enthusiasm to worship, not Tom Brady yet, but worship somebody, we won't know till kickoff who we're going to worship, and give our enthusiastic praise to. There's going to be some worship that happens a couple hours later as the last, the last celebration service of David Ortiz in the regular season happens. We're going to worship today in this city, but there's a greater worship that happens that I remember in many different ways as a kid, but one of them that I remembered in a, a large gathering was being invited to a concert and uh, when I got to the concert, I realized it wasn't a normal concert because it wasn't like uh, one of the rock stars of the day, but it was a Christian concert. And it had Amy Grant. Who was that? And David Meese. I'm just going to give a nod to any of the older Christians in the room that know these unfamiliar names. And Michael W. Smith. Wow. You know? And we, we got into this, this outdoor, audit, uh, outdoor arena, and there were thousands of people that gathered that were my age. And they were listening to songs uh, that didn't, didn't promote sex or drugs or relationships with another person, but they promoted a relationship with God. And so I was taking in the words, I was taking in the music, and then I was taken into the expression of excitement in the audience about these songs that we're singing. And for a conservative, um, not, not at this point just starting to go back to church dude, there was people like doing this and waving their hands. And I'm like thinking, who are they waving their hands at? And they were worshiping God. And I remember, I remember taking it all in. I was, I was part listening. I was part imagining what was this God experiencing when he saw this crowd. And I was partly taken into, wow, there's other people like me, but they're not like me. They're actually excited about God. They're excited about this Jesus that this Michael guy is singing about. And there was something in that collective confession, that collective praise that touched me. 
It stirred me. Fast forward four or five years later, I'm on my college campus, and somebody says, there's a revival going on in the gym, in the, in the, the basketball arena. And I said, revival? What do you mean? There's people in the, they're, they're just spontaneously gathering in our 11,000 seat basketball arena, and they are going up to a mic, and they're confessing their sin. I'm like, I'm in. I mean, I'm not confessing my sin, but I want to go hear everybody else's sin. That's awesome. I'm going. You know, I want to find out what's going on in people's lives. Really? I mean, I kind of know already, but I want to hear this. So I get my shoes on, and I race over to the auditorium. And and no joke, just like on a random weekday night in our our arena, there were three or 4,000 people. And when I walked, I can't even talk about it still. When I walked into the presence of that auditorium, in that arena, all of a sudden what I had experienced before was completely different. It was no longer a basketball arena. The presence of God was in the place. I didn't come, wouldn't have confessed my sin, but all of a sudden I was like, I, what, man, I, I want to tell somebody something about my life. There was such an honest, authentic encounter with the living God where people were wanting to be free from the things that were keeping them down and wanted to embrace and encounter the forgiving, loving God. That you could have heard a pin drop around everybody who was sitting other than the the, the tender weeping and the the holy um, awe of God. That happened day after day after day. It would have kept on going if the administration wouldn't have shut it down because it was getting out of control. In the presence of a large group of people, there was something. If that would have been 10 people, it would have been awesome. If it would have been two people, it would have been, if it would have been me just in my living room, it would have been awesome. But three to 4,000 college students raptly in, attentive to God and, and not looking at the person on the stage that's confessing something that in a normal situation you don't want to hear, but going, God, you are doing something in their life and I want you to do something in my life. And that, that engagement corporately with the living God. When I pray over this service, I pray, God, may every Sunday be an opportunity for us to encounter your presence in such a way that somebody, if not all of us, leave changed. And part of that changing, part of that transformation comes when we gather together and the presence of God unites within us to do something far greater and far bigger than at times we accomplish by ourselves. Look with me at Hebrews chapter 10. This morning, we want to quickly touch on three points. The point of encountering God in His presence, being equipped, and being engaged to those, engaging to those who are on a journey of discovering God, our guests. The author of Hebrews says this in verse 19. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place 
because of the blood of Jesus. We've sung quite a bit this morning and taking communion this morning to remember, and we'll talk about it here in a minute, the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And, in, and since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. And let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. One of the great opportunities we have corporately when we come together is to encounter God. Is to encounter God together. We can boldly, it says in verse 19, we can boldly enter into heaven's most holy place, into communion with God, into the presence of God because of the blood of Jesus. This whole imagery in this passage of Scripture is... is taken from uh, the Jewish Jewish, um, experience of the high priest, the, 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 the leading priest for the nation, the leading priest for the people, and his role to engage God as a priest for the people by bringing a sacrifice that would atone for the sins of the people. 